Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 615 for November 14th, 2019. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Barb Bouchats with Programming by Stealth, installment 86 of X. So, Bart, you gave us uh, four weeks for our homework, and that turned out to be a very good thing. I needed extra time. I started it today. (laughs) Well, I have good news for you, because this has become an unexpected two-parter. Oh, you mean I have have six weeks to do my homework? You do, because as I was writing the show notes, it soon I, I was just finished the Redux, and I was starting into the new stuff, and I looked at my scroll bar, and I went, this is too small. So we're going to have it as a game of two halves. There is new stuff. There is really cool new stuff I really do want to tell you about. But I'm not going to tell you about it until next week, most of it. Um, And today we're going to spend our time making good friends again with our friend, The Function. Oh, good. I can use as much Redux on that as you can possibly give me. We could probably start the whole thing over again and I'd still be lost. I tried to write a function today. I'm hoping by the way we've by by sort of the way we're going over it again. I'm hoping to to, to remedy that. So fingers crossed. Okay, let's give it a shot. So just for context, um, we're going through the many, many, many hats that functions like to wear in JavaScript land. Um, every programming language implements most of the same concepts, and they all do it in their own unique and special way, and JavaScript just runs home to the object whenever it gets a chance. Dictionaries? We'll use objects. Arrays? We'll use objects. And probably most surprising of all, functions? We'll use objects. In JavaScript land, a function is an object. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's not normal, <laughs> but normal for JavaScript, I guess. Uh, <laughs> All right. So before we look into the JavaScript specifics, I'm going to do the same thing I did for the other two hats, is look at the abstract concept, because we're sort of also preparing to leave JavaScript behind us. Right? We're preparing to move on to pastures new. And when we, when we do, when we move into PHP, we're still going to meet functions. And they're still going to perform the same role. They'll just be visually different. And there'll be some other interesting quirks. Because while JavaScript is a quirky language, PHP is mm, controversial in its quirkiness, perhaps. (laughs) Okay. Um, If you'd like to make two nerds argue forever, put a pint of beer in front of each and ask them, so PHP, love it or hate it? Stand back. (laughs) That's where it's going to start. Well, yeah. you know, when you asked about what language we should do next and everybody said PHP, a lot of them also said, because I hate it or something like that, right? I know. I don't understand it, but okay, fine. Or with a caveat, like, it's a really useful language, but God, I wish it blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Or I really hate PHP, but. Right, right. Anyway, so you get to form your own opinion. I'd be actually quite interested what you make of it coming at it from JavaScript. Huh. But anyway, so the function, right? So if you excuse this terrible pun, what is the function's function? (laughs) Well, the function is a method of taking some code and grouping it into a reusable chunk that has some sort of name that you can call as often as you like, right? So that, that is all a function is for. 
It's for making your code reusable. Okay. So that obviously saves you an awful, awful lot of copying and pasting. And in the real world, we humans make mistakes as we program. And if we copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, when we find our one typo, it isn't one typo anymore. It's (laughs) all over the place. Therefore, you wrap it all in a function and then you fix it once and hey, presto, it's all good. Another useful feature of functions is that they allow for a demarcation of responsibilities. Hmm. Because you don't have to know how a function works to use it. Only the person who wrote the function needs to understand how it does what it does. A user of the function only needs to know what what the function does, what inputs it expects, and what outputs it produces. So really, we can treat a function as a black box. So we can we can basically, as long as we know what goes in, what comes out, and what it promises to do, that's it. So I have never seen how jQuery works, but I use jQuery functions all the time. Oh, so, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So it is a great demarcation of responsibilities. So if you're working with multiple programmers, your functions are your logical place where you divide up the work, right? So you say, right, you're going to write that function. Here's what it has to do. You're going to write that function. Here's what it has to do. Everyone documents their code because we're all good people. And then we just read the fine manual and away we go. Right? All, all I need to use jQuery is to be able to read their manual. I don't need to know how the code works. So would you look at it as being like uh, like discrete components on an electronics board, on a C, on a, uh, a logic board where you know what the pinouts are, are and what their you know what values are allowed to go into them and what values are allowed to come out? Yes, that's a fantastic analogy, and they are like little pieces that you you then assemble, right? So you make a bigger something out of the work someone else has made in each individual little something. So you string all those functions together to achieve some sort of end that you desire. But yeah, no, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, your little circuit board and you're sticking, oh yeah, but you know, Bob gave me this resistor and Bob gave me that transistor and we put it all together and hey presto, ta-da, it's a thingy. Yeah, while Bob was working with resistors, uh, Sally gave you an integrated circuit. But I <laughs> <laughs> Little Arduino board, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's functions in the general sense. Um, In JavaScript land, functions are objects, and they're not just any old objects. They're objects of the that are instances of the built-in class or prototype, whatever word we'd like to use, function with a capital F. So you're probably detecting a slight pattern here. Array with a capital A, function with a capital F. That's sort of how these things go. Yeah. And because functions are objects, JavaScript allows us to pass functions around. Basically, anywhere you can shove a value in JavaScript, you can shove a function, which means that you can actually use a function as a piece of data. So you can pass a function as an argument to a function, which is what we call a callback, or rather we call that construction a callback. I call it confusing, but okay. Yeah, but you can stick functions into variables. You can pass them around as arguments. You can stick them into arrays. You can have an array of functions if you like. You can put them into dictionaries. You can, anywhere you can put the value boogers, you can put a function. 
because they're just objects. You can put you can put functions inside arrays. We haven't done that before, have we? Like I just uh, missed that. I I'm sure I have, but I don't know if we have. Okay. I tend to do these kind of weird things. Okay. Um so unlike the array prototype, which gives us a lot of useful um a lot of useful additional extras because of the array prototype, so dot length and dot reverse and dot uh, sort and all those kind of things. The function with a capital F prototype actually provides extremely little that you need often. Hmm. But it does provide a small number of stupendously powerful features that when you need them, you need them a lot and you're excruciatingly grateful for them. But there are probably many people who've written JavaScript for a decade who've never used a single one. Really? But yeah, but they are the magic sauce that makes jQuery and things like that possible, these extra functions. So what you, my experience with them is when I've tried to write APIs, I've ended up using these features of the function with the capital F prototype. And when I'm not writing APIs, I simply never go anywhere near them. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to end this segment by just saying what exists. We're not going to spend any time looking at the detail, but what I basically want people to take away is to know what's possible so that should you need to, you know which bit of the manual to go spend some, you know, a cup of coffee with. <laughs> okay. So I don't want to waste time and, more importantly, mental energy looking at something that you probably won't need. And because you need it so rarely, you kind of have to go read the manual again every time anyway, because the last time you use it could be three years ago. You know? Oh, OK. So just sort of important to, uh, to to know that they exist so you know to go look for it. And you're like, hey, that's Bart it. Exactly. Because. Yeah, because I have never used them without going to the manual. I'll just go to, you know, MDN the Mozilla Developer Network, and I'll just double check because I can never remember whether it's apply or call that I want anyway. And bind makes my head hurt every time. But I always get there in the end. But I always have to go read the manual. Okay. That's just the way it is. So before we do that, we have some reduxing to do. So we've met functions in bits and pieces. So I really want to take the time today to summarize everything in a coherent way. So the first thing to say is there are three distinct syntaxes for j defining JavaScript functions that we have met. Between you, me, and the wall, there's actually a fourth that no one uses, which is the constructor for the function with a capital F prototype. No one defines functions that way, but it is theoretically possible, and the docs are linked in the show notes for anyone who's curious. Okay. But that's not how real JavaScript code is written. So we're going to continue what we've been doing so far and ignore the fourth syntax. So the first syntax is the original, so the original and best syntax, the so-called function statement. The keyword function, followed by a name of your choosing, followed by a list of argument names, which could be zero or infinity long, inside parentheses followed by squirrely brackets and the code of the function, which is this construction you've seen a lot. Right. Um, just to say, all of the examples today have been tested in the file pbs86a.html, which is sitting in the zip file. That is the single 
emptiest example file I have ever created. There is nothing in there. I there is not a single variable. I opened it in uh, Code Runner, which I haven't been using mm. lately, and I'm like, well, wait, okay, wait, what, wait, that's it? <laughs> There's nothing there. It is just a place to go window show javascript console and whatever browser you're using that's really all there is in there is just just that open the console and there's a handy file to have around i guess so actually yeah it's yeah very very basic so we have below to illustrate the point a little example function this is a function which raises one number to the power of another number and I'm going to say one more thing before we go into all of the examples. I have left out of every single example today all parameter slash argument validation code and all that kind of stuff that we would do in the real world. I've left it all out because I want to focus on the core concepts and not on the, you know, checking if the user hasn't been silly, which you would obviously do in the real world. Good, 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 good. I like it when it's okay. simplified down to the, so I can see the pieces I'm supposed to learn that, that helps. Yeah, distilled to its essence. This <laughs> is um, essence of function. <laughs> so our first example function is called raise to. It takes two arguments, a number, and the power to raise it to. So I have named the function raise to. I've named the first argument num, and I have named the second argument pow, which does make me think of Batman, but anyway. Um, in order to raise a number to a power, you multiply it many, many times. So the actual body of the function is a for loop, really. So we start off by saying, let the let ants equal to num. So let our, will, will be our answer become equal to the number. And then for let i equals to, i is less than or equal to the power i plus plus, we say the answer star equals the number. So what's going on there? So you're saying multiply it times itself. That one time through, right? Right. So we don't do it for i equals 1 because that's kind of taken care of by line 2, right? Multiplying the number by itself. You know, we could have said let ants equals 1 and then let i equals 1, but that just seemed redundant to me. (laughs) Right. So I I said let ants equals num. Yep. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. Sorry, I never know whether mathematics only makes sense to me. Sorry, I find <laughs> I'm usually okay with the mathematics part. It's when you're doing Good. that date math stuff that I'm not, no, not going to work with you. Yeah, that's why we use moment.js, because then we never have to think about it. <laughs> um, the other thing I should have mentioned is the keyword for telling a function what to spit out is return. Mm-hmm. So when you say return, that is saying make this black box emit this value. And as soon as you meet a return statement, the function ceases to execute. So if you put a few other lines of code after a return statement, those few other lines of code are pure window dressing. I will achieve nothing. Okay, because you've popped out. I think I did that you, a couple of times early on, and that's how I learned how what return does, because, yeah, it's window dressing. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Return does exactly what it says in the tin. It leaves the function. Goodbye. <laughs> so... This creates, so when we copy and paste that into our very basic um, console, it will create a function called raise2, and it will put that function into the global scope. So what we've actually done is created a variable with the name raise2 that contains a reference to a function 
which is of type function with a capital F. When we want to invoke our function, we just give its name and then we pass it, you know, open parens, say four comma five would raise four to the power of five. And I don't remember what that is. So it has about three, no, two comma five should be 32, shouldn't it? Uh, it's five bits, isn't it? Three comma two? Two, no, sorry, two comma five. Two comma five. Oh, I don't know. Two times two times two <laughs> times two times. I think I got it 32. Is. I think 30, 32. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that is our extremely simple function demonstrated. So far, I'm hoping nothing too complicated. I'm following along so far, Bart. This is great. Now, I'm about to throw a word at you that I know I've mentioned in passing, but I'm not sure we've quite given it the attention it deserves. When you create a function using this function definition, so this, this, this syntax for defining functions, they will be hoisted. So it doesn't actually matter where you put one of these function uh, declarations, one of these function statements, it doesn't matter where you put it in your code, it will be as if you put it at the top of the current scope. So if you're doing it in the global scope, it's as if you put the function at the very, very top of your file. If you're creating one function inside another, it's as if you put it at the top of the containing function because JavaScript hoists them. That's what it's called. It's called hoisting. Hmm. I can prove this to you. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're going over this because I definitely remember it because all I can think of is by his own petard every time you say it. But, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's hard not to say it. But... um this is something that's always got me a little bit baffled of when things actually occur because i know that certain things occur as you see them but you're saying this is this jumps above everything else but what if there's more functions defined that way which one goes first well basically all the function definitions happen before any of your code runs within a given oh, oh code definition not because you have an expellerama system yet Exactly, okay. exactly. So the Expellerama thing happens only when you tell it to, but the coming into existence happens at the top of the scope, which is counterintuitive, to say the least. So to demonstrate this point, I, you'll see a code snippet here, which starts by declaring a demo function and hence creating a new scope. So we say function hoist demo doesn't take any arguments, so we go straight into the curly braces. And the first thing we do inside this function is we call another function called hoisted function. So we're expelliarmusing it. Hmm. And then below, we declare the function. Oh, function. You hoisted function. <laughs> Console.log, I exist already. So that's a case of where you, you uh, defined it after you called it. But yeah. because it's hoisted, it goes above the calling the expelleramus part, and therefore it yeah. already exists. Okay, okay, yeah. that's a good. That's so a good on the demo. last line of the snippet, we we expelleramus our demo function, and mm -hmm. you will see that when you copy and paste all of that into your console, it actually console that logs I exist already, which is coming from line four, calling a function you defined on line seven. Right, right. That's cool. So what's actually What's actually happened under the hood is that JavaScript has silently rewritten your code. And what's really happening is the function definition is first, and then you expel the opposite. So that's 
takes a little bit of remembering that when you define a function using this first of three syntaxes, it will be hoisted. Now, for, for an extra frisson of confusion, if you use any other syntax, it is not hoisted. Oh, really? Yes. Only the function statement is hoisted. Function mm. expressions and arrow functions are not hoisted. Why? Because they're variable assignments. Okay. So okay. basically, the, the keyword function as a statement has this special superpower. Mm -hmm. And nothing else has that superpower. Okay, that's not strictly true. <laughs> the, the var keyword also has that superpower. When you say a var, vars get hoisted as well, but the rule is functions first, then vars, then the code you wrote. So vars get hoisted as well as functions, but don't go. That's, that's another day's shenanigans. Because the vars get hoisted as undefined until you put an equal sign after them. That's Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Uh, That's okay. Do my best to impression now. <laughs> um, it, is, it is a special feature of this one syntax that it gets hoisted, and it only exists for this one syntax, the hoisting. So it's more a case of why does this get hoisted rather than why doesn't everything get hoisted? Because hoisting is weird. And the only reason for hoisting is because programmers like Basically, the logic is, if you're looking at someone else's script, you want to be able to see immediately what the script does mm. mm -hmm. and then worry about defining the functions later. Well, when you're building something, you need a bill of materials first. Makes perfect sense. I need to know where those two resistors from the boys are and the integrated circuit from the, from the girl came from. I got to have that before I start. Right, but that's the... Yeah, but the reason that hoisting exists is because programmers actually want the opposite. So. If I'm looking at a script someone's written to achieve a task, I just want to see it do its thing, which is going to be call, you know, call a well-named function oh. to do something, then do that, do that, do that. Oh, so, so I just care about what black boxes. So you, you're putting the parts list at the end? Yes. That's actually when you look at a script, traditionally speaking, when you're looking at people's scripts, that's what, certainly what, you know, when I started in work, I obviously replaced someone who had come before me. That's how these things work. And so now I read my own code. But before I was reading my own code, I was, you know, maintaining code from my predecessors. And they all follow this pattern. Write the actual functionality at the top of the script and just call a bunch of well-named functions that you treat as black boxes. And then when the, all of the functionality is there without having to scroll, then define all those boring functions below. And it all works because they get hoisted. Now, that was okay. written in Perl, which also hoists. But Okay, okay, yeah. I'll give you another analogy then. It's when you, you get the IKEA furniture box and you try to build it all, and then after you're trying to get it to go together, then you go, well, I better go see what was in the, in the parts list. And that's when you figure yeah. out that they forgot the little pegs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a strange way of doing things. And it's because programmers have this weird habit that hoisting was invented so that you mm -hmm. could write all the the fancy final logic at the top and then deal with the nitty-gritty detail at the bottom. Hmm. It, so hence, we just have the compiler hoisted for us. So hoisting only exists in this one syntax. So the second syntax that exists is the function literal, sometimes also called the function expression. 
And so this is now the third literal we've come across. So we know that we can use curly braces on the right-hand side of an equals to make an object exist. We know that's an object literal. And we can use the square braces on the right side of an equals to make an array pop into existence. And we know that's an array literal. And you mentioned that, I mean, Bart, literal means nothing. Like a string is just a literal. And I said, yes, Alison, it is. So quotation marks are literals. So there is a literal for creating function. And it is the function keyword with the paren with the argument list mashed straight into it. So not function space name, just function open parens. Can you remind me why this is called a literal and what a literal really is? A literal is a value. So anywhere that you can put the string buggers, you can put a literal. That's what to be a literal means that you can treat it as a value. Anywhere JavaScript documentation says value, you can put a literal. So true mm. is a Boolean literal. False is a Boolean literal. Quote some characters, close quote, is a string literal. Open square bracket, one comma two, close square bracket is an array literal. So you're literally specifying a value. But the functions we just finished creating, function hoist demo and our function to to uh, mm -hmm. uh, make a uh, power, those are not function literals. They are not, because you couldn't put that syntax, say, as the first argument to another function. Oh, but you could, you but you could put... Um, like what was it you called raise two? You could put raise two anywhere you, you wanted. You could, right? But that's because raise two is the variable you made with the function statement. Oh, but you couldn't right. Put the function statement there. Okay, got you. Can't put the okay. So the fun with the function statement out in front, it's not a literal. But once the thing is made, then that is a literal. Well, then it's a value, right? So the literal the, a value, the, and you said of a literal is anything that can go into a value. Yeah. So literals the are value. ways of making values. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a function immediately, an immediate function value without having to give it a name, just make it be a function, then that's what the function expression or the function literal, they're, two, they're synonyms for each other, depending on whose documentation you read. It's like making a string by just saying open quotation mark and start typing. This is making a function by just saying function and then give it the list of arguments. And these functions do not have names, right? The literal does not give the function a name. It just, just like quote boogers quote doesn't have a name unless you assign it to something. Okay. You, you have to say some variable becomes equal to the string boogers before it gets a name. Right. Right. So here we're creating a function Without giving it a name, we just say function, open parens, and then we start naming our arguments. So that's why function expressions or literals have a third name. They're also known as anonymous functions. Good. <laughs> I'm, always I'm always thinking things are anonymous when they aren't. And just now I was thinking, oh, I hope this is what an anonymous function is, because this one doesn't have a name, so that would seem like it's anonymous. That would make sense. Yeah. Now... Because it's a literal, you can choose to assign it to a variable that has a name, but that's your choice, right? So we can rewrite our raise to function by saying const raise to becomes equal to our literal. 
the literal doesn't have a name, but we're sticking it into race two. So race two now contains it. So it sort of kind of has a name, but it's not its own name. It's just happens to be sitting in race two. Oh, that's a little confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you've named the function, but the function itself doesn't have it, is anonymous. Yeah. So the function is anonymous, but I've stored the anonymous function in a variable. Okay. You see, if I were okay. to make yeah. an array of anonymous functions, they wouldn't have individual names. Right, They'd right. The array would have a name. name. Yeah, okay. The array would have a name, but yeah, but they would each be, you know, zero, one, two, three, I guess. Sure, sure. Which is kind of a name. So the important thing is that literals are not hoisted. And I can prove this to you. So, okay. again, we're declaring a demo function called unhoisted demo this time. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we do in our unhoisted demo is we try to call our unhoisted function. And it says in the comment what will happen. It will throw an error. Because then below it, we make our function exist by saying const unhoisted function becomes equal to a function literal, which simply contains console.log I won't get run. Uh, and then at the very end, we expelliarmus our demo function. And if you copy and paste that into your console, you will see... Cannot, cannot access uninitialized variable. Oh, wait, yep. I have to refresh in between this, don't I? Uh, no, because these don't have a name collision. Okay. First, the first one, yeah, they were called. Okay, names. so that's, that's okay. the error it was supposed to throw. That it, yeah, it basically, it you have tried to. Ex- you, have, you haven't, that doesn't exist yet. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So unhoisted function does not exist. We've tried to expel Yamas and it's gone, hmm, hmm. I don't know what you've asked me to do. Sorry. And then, you know, the next line, you tell it what you meant. And he goes, oh, if only I'd continued running without throwing an error. Oh, well. <laughs> Those are good examples, Bart. That, that makes perfect sense. Excellent. So our third syntax, then, is our newest syntax, which came along in ES6. Like, I think you may have spotted a pattern. ES6 was a giant upgrade to the JavaScript language. Did like, that happen you know, since the- we started? Yeah. Uh, yes right and around when no. we started? It existed when we started, but wasn't mainstream. Okay. So the browsers hadn't got around to implementing it yet. So I decided to ignore it until it was fully baked. Okay. It's now well baked. Isn't there another yes already now? There is... 2017? A few something? more, actually, because they've started num- naming them after the years instead of after numbers. So we're now on ES 2019 came out a few months ago, but that's not well supported in browsers yet. So I think browsers are sort of at about ES 2018. Okay. So what is ES 6 is, is the equivalent of what year? 2015, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the last one are so-called Depending on who you ask, either arrow functions or fat arrow functions, but either way, they are a new syntax for creating function literals. Again, not hoisted, and they're basically the same as the syntax above in their effect with one really important difference. Well, okay, there's a visual difference, they look different, but in terms of what they do, the only difference is what happens with the magic keyword this and the really good news is i'm just telling you that an arrow function doesn't get its own this and i'm now telling you that we won't worry our pretty little heads about what this means until we come to the installment on the prototype hat okay okay so for today 
as far as we're concerned, it is actually just a shorter way of writing a function expression. Uh, and what makes it shorter is that we replace the word function. So instead of having the word function straight in front of the list of, na- of names for our arguments, we just have the list of names and then we have equal sign um, greater than, greater than sign. Uh-huh. Which is a, that is referred to, that combination of equals plus arrow or equals plus chevron is referred to as an arrow. And when you use an equals instead of a minus sign, it's referred to as a fat arrow colloquially by nerds. That makes Hence, sense. these are called because an arrow, arrow would be the single, it would be a dash or a minus in, in the greater than symbol. So I'm 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 happy with fat arrow. Good because PHP uses what it calls the arrow operator, which is minus sign chevron. Oh, good, good, okay. Yeah, and so does Perl, chevron's but... sort of up and down usually. I'd call it greater than, but that's a good point actually. Yes. But I guess I watch too much Stargate. I just love the word Chevron. (laughs) So from our point of view, arrow functions are just a way of writing the same thing shorter. So for the third time today, let us define the function raise2. Const raise2 becomes equal to open parens, num, comma, pow, close parens, arrow, open my curlies, and then in my exact same code goes in yet again. Hmm. So it's shorter. Also more confusing to read, which is why fat arrow functions are a little bit marmite. People either adore them or detest them. I have yet to come across someone who doesn't either call them black magic and detest their existence or think they're the best thing since sliced bread. So are they people who think that that typing out a long word or a a word is uh, like a waste of, I don't know, bits on the screen or something? Yes, and there are people who hate scrolling, uh, and so they just want, I just want to see what it does, and I don't want to have to scroll, or I don't want to move my head left or right. Okay. I just, I just want to see. Show me. Get, get to the good stuff. Don't okay. waste my time with fluff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like a contraction. So it is a contraction. So now, speaking of contractions, now we learn some new stuff. So I have shown you the full-blown fat arrow syntax before in this series, which is what we've just done here. Mm-hmm. But in the special case, which is a very, very common special case, in the special case where a function takes exactly one argument, you can actually make the fat arrow syntax even shorter <laughs> than it already is. Mm-hmm. And it's already pretty darn short. So to illustrate this point, we need another function because... Well, the one we've been using so far takes two arguments, not one. So my second function we're going to use as a demo for this shortening. I can't wait is to hear you read this one. <laughs> Good luck. Two, two, as in two to the power of. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't think that through, did no. I? Uh, T-W-O-T-O is what he is saying when he says two, two. Yeah, not, not, I'm not, in, I'm not, in, like, don't imagine me in a two, two pirouetting. <laughs> You no, don't do that as you're hoisted by your own petard. Okay, oh, I'm hoisted by my own petard. Exactly. Now this is my nerdy love of binary biting me in the backside. Is what this is. Um, if you're going to copy and paste this into PBS 86A, do not refresh the page because to save myself copying and pasting, I use my raise to function to implement my two to function. Okay. By the way, I really hope somebody clips the last uh, two minutes in Overcast and, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna regret it. That. I'm <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go from tutu petard to uh, biting you in the backside in one fell swoop. Do you know what a petard is, by the way? 
I always pictured it as as uh, like your bootstraps or something. Oh, it's way worse. It- um, imagine a landmine, but then instead of putting it on the ground, you stick it to a castle gate. And it was the job of an extremely unfortunate person, often a convict, to carry this landmine-like thing, run up to the enemy while they shoot bows and arrow at him, stick it to his front door, light the fuse, and run away. Okay. A very common problem was that it would explode prematurely, hence hoisting someone on their own petard. What is the petard, though? The mine. The mine was called a petard? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) So being hoist by your own petard meant being blown up by your own landmine. (laughs) So it's not good. (laughs) Anyway, this is a bit of medieval warfare history for today. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so this, this function says, I want to hear you read it aloud without me making fun of you. Okay. So const tutu becomes equal to open parens pow, which is the name I'm giving my one argument for power. Uh, close parens arrow, open me curlies, return raise two, two comma pow. In other words, whatever we pass in, we shall raise two to that power. So this is the full syntax like we've seen it above. But this is our special case of a one-argument function. So what's optional here? Actually, the parens are optional. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So const tutu becomes equal to pow arrow open curly return raise to two comma pow. And because this is a one... Const space tutu space equal space pow fat arrow squirrely bracket so you've oh that's yeah. that's upsetting no i i, no, I don't cut to this i don't i, I get, don't no i don't believe in it it gets so. worse <laughs> so because this is actually a single line function that semicolon on the after the pow i can leave that out too and in fact i can collapse the whole thing onto one line so const tutu becomes equal to pow arrow squarely return raised to two close me squarely semicolon but actually, because this is a one-line function, I can actually omit the return keyword and the squirrelies. Oh, no. So the following is the shortest way you can write a function in JavaScript. const tutu becomes equal to pow arrow raise to two semicolon. That is legal JavaScript code, and you will see it in examples. And it will confuse you, which is why I've decided to stop ignoring the fact that this is possible. My first, this makes, I'm tolerant of a lot of things, but this is too much for me. I don't do this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do use arrow functions. I don't do this. So this I, I, I'd, I'd like to see if I can actually even still say what this says. Like I, I'm reading mm. it right along with you. So const tutu, that's just, we're defining the variable, becomes equal to some function that takes as its first argument pow and what it's going to do with that is the function is to raise it uh two to the power of whatever pow was and yep. i guess i can read it right this yep. minute but maybe not tomorrow yeah it's not maintainable code so if you're fluent in this shortcut it makes sense to you. And you'll often see it used in functions that take really short callbacks, like the sort function. So you can pass a callback to sort to tell it how to sort. And that's usually a one-liner. 
Hmm. And so you'll often see arrow functions used as anonymous functions. Huh. So it's mm, uh, sorry, it's callbacks. They are it's anonymous. Callbacks. Okay, but that's a complete non sequitur. Yeah, you'll often see arrow functions used as callbacks. Huh. So could you imagine in a dot then <laughs> using two of these style callbacks with nothing separating them with a comma? How confusing that'd be to read. That's just mean. Because your then functions each just take one argument, right? Your data for success or your error for fail. So you could say dot then error arrow console.log error comma sorry the other way around. Uh, data comma console.log data comma error arrow console.log <laughs> error. I mean, that'd be valid JavaScript code. You're just you're just making nonsense right now. I know. <laughs> so there we go. So the next thing I want to, we've said all this before, this is not new, but I do just want to, let's just prove it again. So function scope is important to understand. I would like to think of it as buckets inside buckets. So there exists in JavaScript, the global scope, right? If you declare a variable outside of any function, then it is in the global scope. Right. If you declare a function, okay, let me say that differently. When you make a function, you create a scope which exists from the opening curly to the end of the function. So every function has its own scope. Even if there isn't a curly because you used a fat arrow. Even, even <laughs> yes, even then there is a very, 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 very teeny tiny scope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's the teeniest scope, but it does exist. Um, so functions make their own scope. And if you nest one function inside another, you have a scope inside a scope inside a scope. And the way it works is the nearest to you wins. So if you're a function and you inside yourself is declared a variable boogers and there's a globally scoped variable that's also called boogers, then inside your function, your local boogers outrank the global boogers because they're nearer to you. Okay. So to prove the point, I've used some slightly simpler variable names, A, B, and C. And just because we only learned about it last week, I figured I'd use some destructuring assignment in this example. Okay. I kind of like destructuring now. I don't think I can do it, but I I like the concept. Oh, good. So on line two, which is the first line of actual code, above that we have the wonderful comment, declare three variables in the global scope. So we say var open square bracket a comma b comma c close square bracket becomes equal to an array literal open square bracket the string global a then the string global b then the string global c close our square bracket to end our array literal semicolon. Is there a reason you're so being that, specific in calling it an array literal, not just an array? Uh, just because literal is a word that you want me to hammer home. Okay. Good. So what that means is variable A contains the string global A, variable B contains the string global B, and variable C contains the string global C. Okay. We then define a function using the function statement called scope demo. And inside that function, the first thing we do is we override is the technical term when you replace something from an outside scope. Mm-hmm. So we now say var open square bracket b comma c close square bracket becomes equal to open square bracket scope demo b comma scope demo c 
So we now have two variables with the same names as global variables, but they're nearer. So inside the function, they will win. Hmm. And then we make a function inside our function. So function nested scope demo. And here we're just going to replace one variable. We're going to say var c becomes equal to nested scope demo c. And then we console.log a, b, and c. So I'm going to guess that it's going to say global a, scope demo b, nested scope demo c. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yes. That is it in a nutshell. Perfect. So that's how scopes work. The next thing I'm going to mention is that we can do more with arguments than just give them a name. There exists in every JavaScript function a special variable with the name arguments. And this is a special object that behaves like an array, but isn't an array. So it has a length property. So you can say arguments.length. And you can access the first argument by saying arguments open square bracket zero, close square bracket. The second argument is arguments one. You get the idea. So it's extremely array-like, in fact. Hmm. Uh, if you really want to turn it into an array, as of ES6, you can by saying capital A array dot from and then put arguments into that and that will convert it to an array for you. But that's neither here nor there. Wait a minute. Put argument. No, you don't put arguments in there. You put the function as in, in the. the the word, the name arguments, as in the arguments object, can be converted by passing it as the argument to array.from. Okay. So you could say my argument array becomes equal to array.from open parens arguments close parens semicolon. Okay. Okay. So why do you care about the arguments variable? The answer is because it allows you to write a function that takes as many or as few arguments as the person calling the function would like at the moment they expelliarmus. So to oh. prove the point, we are going to write a simple little function that will add together every number you give it. If you give it one, it'll just give you back that number. If you give it a thousand, it will add those thousand together for you and give you the answer. You, you choose. Okay. So function space sum all so i'm giving it the name sum all because that seemed like a good idea then i just immediately open and close parens so i am not choosing to name any of my arguments right they're not getting a name i then say let ants become equal to zero for let i equals zero i is less than arguments dot length i plus plus i am going to loop over all of the arguments i haven't named them so my only way of accessing them is through this magic arguments variable mm -hmm. then i say ants plus equals arguments i return ants so arguments uh square bracket i so yeah. that that makes arguments is like an array or exactly. is an array. It's be, it's be, yes, we're, we're behaving yes. like an array in any case. We are using it like one, and it's perfectly happy to be so used. <laughs> okay. All right. So if you copy and paste that into your console, we can then test our function. So if we expelliarmus it with no arguments, it will, you know, if you look at the code, it will let ants equal zero for i equals zero, i is less than arguments at length. Is zero less than zero? No, it isn't actually. The for loop never executes, we return zero. Okay. So sum all, no arguments, zero. Sum all, one comma two. 
will return three because the first time through the loop, I will be zero. So arguments zero will be the number one. Then arguments one will be the number two. I pick terrible examples here. <laughs> one plus two is three. Sum all 10, 20, 30 will give you 60. You can see what's going on here. Right, right. Okay. Now, thanks to ES6, we actually don't have to worry about this I shenanigans. The arguments object is perfectly happy to behave like an array in a for of loop. So we can rewrite this with a nice easy for of loop. So we can say let ants equal zero for num of arguments ants plus equals num return that. Oh. Which I think is nicer. Why is it not? I mean, arguments.length and num of arguments is the same thing? No. So num is a name we're giving it. We could say boogers of arguments. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a, they, they, they are numbers, so I call it num. Um. So the na so the first time through the loop, num will be the first argument. The second time oh. through the loop, num will be the oh. second argument. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, you gave it a logical name, which makes perfect sense, but it completely confused me because it looked like a thing, you know, that should be that. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is what I get for choosing maths again. Yeah, well, no, no, no. It it made too much sense. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> an odd complaint. Stop making sense, Bart. Um, so for x of arguments, yes, ants plus equals uh, x. x. Okay, so that's yes, that, that's that, that, uh, it's like sorry. a for each, but it's not a for each. It's a, yeah, in English I would describe it as for each, but okay, in JavaScript good. it's for of. Okay, okay, I, that that helps me understand better. All right. So the next thing I want to mention is that as of ES six, we're spotting a pattern here. Mm -hmm. um, we can give arguments a default value. We do that by simply, when we're naming them, we say equals our default value. So uh, to prove this to you, I'm making a function called repeat string, which takes one or two arguments. A string and how many times to repeat it, and by default, I will repeat it twice. Or I'll, actually, I'll print it twice, which is actually repeating it once, but let's not get carried away. <laughs> So we say function repeat string str comma num equals two. So ants becomes equal to the empty string for let i equals num i is less than zero i minus no, minus i is greater I'm than zero. I hope. I that is correct. That is what I typed, right. not what I said though. Yes, and good because otherwise infinity here we come. <laughs> so we say ants plus equals str return ants. So in other words. We just keep sticking the string onto itself until we num becomes zero. So if we call that function with just one argument, boogers, it will return boogers, boogers. Because we didn't specify num, so it defaulted to two. Okay, so it did. If we it say, went through the first time as to then you subtract one through it, it's one. The second time through, then it'll be zero, and therefore it won't, won't, uh, won't go through. Got happen. it. Okay. So if we call the function boogers comma three, then the default value will be ignored because we have specified a second argument. So it will now come out three times. Okay. So that's how defaults work. If you don't specify anything, the default happens. Otherwise, what you said is what you get, which is sensible, right? That's what defaulting means. 
So the last thing then to remind you of is the REST operator, which since ES6... Sorry, I just made myself laugh because I made it poop and I put seven in. Went poop, 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 poop. It made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you use the emoji or the English? Oh, I should. Okay, let me work on that while you keep going. (laughs) So the REST operator we've already seen in destructuring, well, we can also have it here in functions. Um, So this this allows us to give a name to all other arguments. So we can name as many or as few arguments as we like, followed by dot, 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 and the name we're going to give all the rest of them. So the dot, dot, dot is the rest operator. So as an example, we have a function I'm calling rest demo, and I am naming the first argument named arg1, and I'm naming the second argument named arg2, and then I'm saying dot, 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 named rest. So named rest will be an array containing all the other arguments. So if I then console.log named arg1 be, is he, you know, its value, named arg2's value, and then named rest contains, and then all of its values printed out in a little loop. Hmm. And if you call that function with boogers, snot, poop, and nose jelly, <laughs> then I got very, very stuck for things to say. Uh, oh, sorry, goop, not poop. Um... <laughs> Named arg1 will be boogers, named arg2 will be snot, and then the rest will be an array of length 2 called named rest, which will contain goop and nose jelly. Okay. So that's all the rest operator does. It just takes everything else and puts it into an array with the name of your choice. Which can be convenient. Interesting. Okay. I do like the rest operator. It's Yeah, and it's also so sensible, dot, dot, dot. Of course, that means the rest. By the way, I'm thinking maybe when we go to uh, PHP, I should come up with a new word. Oh, I'm just getting used to this one. All right. All right. I just wonder if the audience might be getting tired of it. (laughs) Well, if you happen to come up with one, I mean, apparently the letter Q is the funniest letter in the world. So if you can come up with a Q word, I'll happily switch. Ah, okay. Okay. It's a challenge. See, there is a challenge after all. Right. So... (laughs) We're going to finish up today by just mentioning the function prototype with a capital F and just to say what's possible. So the first thing is there's a link in the show notes to the Mozilla Developer Network's page describing the function prototype, which is where you will find the fine manual, which I have to refer to every time I do any of this. Uh, Functions do actually have properties. One of them is potentially a little bit useful in error messages. It's the dot length property, which is the number of named arguments the function defines. So if you haven't refreshed your page, or you could just go back and copy and paste, if you were to get, say, uh, repeat string dot length will be two because we have two named arguments, str and num. Sum all dot length would be zero because there's no named arguments in sum all. I scroll up a bit. Repeat string.length came out to be one for me. Interesting. So the optional one doesn't count. That I wasn't, that's that's interesting. I didn't know that would happen. Well, but the last time I had written it was repeat string uh, poop comma seven. Okay. Now, when you did the dot length, did you do it with or without parens? I did not give it parens. 
Okay, perfect. So you didn't expel the armor set. You just said, take this thing and give me its length. So that's what you did is exactly correct. Okay. And it came back to one. That is very interesting. So obviously the, the optional one doesn't count as part of the length. Now, how do you know one of them's optional? Because, because you... it says equals. Oh. So num equals two means it's an optional one because it has a default value. Oh, okay. That's, that's actually JavaScript being cleverer than I was giving it credit for. That's really good to know. If I, if I give it parentheses, it says repeat string dot length is not a function. Right. Because it isn't. <laughs> okay. Length is a number. You can't expelliarmus a number, okay. right? You're, you're trying to expelliarmus right. one. Oh, and, by the, and, and then it says, by the way, if you were wondering, repeat string dot length is one. It actually tells me the, uh, the like, I know what you meant, but you said well, it wrong, but I'm still going to tell you the right answer. That's particularly polite. JavaScript is not always that polite. No, that's most polite. It's quite often privacy. not anywhere near that polite. Yeah. Um, another interesting property, which is potentially useful for error messages and stuff, um, a function that's not anonymous has a name. So you can say dot name. Mm-hmm. Um, so repeat string dot name will give you the string repeat string, which isn't all that exciting. But if you had an array of functions, it might be interesting. Uh, another one that's potentially useful for error messages is the toString function, which exists on functions. So if you say repeat string dot toString open parens close parens, you'll see the code for two, for uh, the, whatever the name of the function was. Um, sorry, repeat string. Okay, you completely lost me on that last sentence. I did. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I tied myself into knots. <laughs> okay. So repeat string dot to string open and close parens will show you the function as a string, which is actually the code. Oh, oh, that's kind of cool. So, if you were curious about how, say, the dollar function was written, you could say dollar dot to string. By the way, if I type repeat string by itself without to string, I get it too. Just not you in- do because the console defaults to trying to turn everything to a string. Oh, okay. Which it does by calling the toString function. Okay. If it exists. Okay. The, the, console is, the console is doing that for you by actually calling toString. Okay. $.toString. Oh, wait. No, I did backwards. ToString dot dollar is what you said to say. Right? No, no. No, no. It's name of, ob- name of object dot function you want to call on the object. So $.toString. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it says native code in square brackets. Oh, now that's interesting. I'm not telling you. that? Because native code you. is what you get when you try to two-string anything um, built into JavaScript. So if you try like math.random or something, you'll get native code as well. How do they do that? Huh. <laughs> that's a trick I don't know how to do. have to learn. Anyway, um, the last two things I'd want to mention is there are a pair of functions, which I always get mixed up, called apply and call. And they are functions, which are a way of executing a function without expelliarmusing it. Hmm. And the reason you might want to execute a function without expelliarmusing it is because you have decided that you know better and you want to specify the actual value of this. Hmm. And... That isn't going to make an awful lot of sense right now. Nope. 
which is fine. Okay. Just know that it is possible to control the value of this and that you have seen APIs that do that. Hmm. The dollar function, as in jQuery, remaps this to be DOM objects, right? If you say dollar and then you pass it the string P to look for every P tag, and then you say dot for each, every time this is actually a DOM object representing the current paragraph. The reason that is possible is because apply and call exist in JavaScript and the dollar function makes use of that JavaScript feature to do its magic. So this is why I say when you write your own APIs, you use things like apply and call. But when you're not writing your own APIs, there's very little point. And the same is true of bind. You can use bind to write a function that creates new functions. And that sounds like a weird thing to do, but I've actually done it in an API I wrote. So I created an API for calling web services on the open source learning platform Moodle. And I have a function in my API named, I think it's called submit, which sends a query to Moodle. But you can create a new function with a name of your choice that calls the submit function with a certain baked-in set of arguments. And that's possible with bind. So an example is you can basically say register function, you give it a name, and then that function comes into existence. I'm not explaining it very well. It's Again, it's, a, it's an API-only thing. But you can use bind to make a new function, which calls an existing function with hard-coded arguments. Okay. No, I don't think I've explained that at all well. <laughs> um, it's 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 so it's so rare you'll use it. You'll probably find it hard to explain. Okay. So don't lose any sleep. Okay. Don't just leave it at that. All right. Then Good. I, myself perf- ever I actually I actually remember back when you talked about apply and call. You said essentially the same thing. Of well, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Yeah, I mean, I do use apply and call and bind. I have used all three of those within the last 12 months, but probably a grand total of once or twice. Twice, right. actually, because I remember the exact lines of code. That's how, that's how rare it is. I remember the exact lines of code. <laughs> okay, so we have done almost all Redux today. So this is in preparation for the new stuff introduced in, say it with me, ES6. ES6. All right. <laughs> ES6 has added a whole new type of function. Something called a generator function, which has nothing to do with electricity, but is darn cool. So we are going to learn all about generators, and there is no mech and lech involved. And that is the next installment. Well, that sounds fun. So do uh, what's the, the homework status? Our homework is due in two weeks, but you, you threw out one last... Uh thing in audio at the end of the assignment last time that was never written in the notes that said what the the additional homework would be oh did i yeah i think it was allow the user to type in uh an amount that would then get translated into other currencies oh no that that will become the next challenge so that's not okay not in your plate yet okay all right good we're taking it nice and slow that's fun we are um yeah and i don't 
I don't want to put too much on our agenda for next time because generators are extremely cool, but it's one concept. That's two concepts actually, but it's it's small, but it's it's two bytes, but they're fairly chunky bytes. So I don't want to overload us. Okay. Well, that sounds fine. The, okay. Uh, well, I think we'll actually be coming up on that'll be Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, not not having too much to to work on there would be good too. <laughs> As, as you're digesting your turkey and your brain is full of tryptophan and you're falling asleep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this was this was cool. This was a uh, a little bit of a light episode, but uh, I enjoy the redux, like I keep saying. Excellent. Well, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.